And I think mm. one thing that storytelling celebrated from day one was that just be you. And the mm. threads of what connect us and the threads of what it feels like that when you said your story, it's like putting your hand forward. And whatever it is in today's world, and we're highly connected, we're almost like hyper-connected now. Someone will hold your hand. You're listening to Ed Talk with Anuj. A podcast that takes you back to school to understand how far we all have come and the future we are all headed towards. My name is Anuj and this is my attempt to explore the evolution of the Indian education system through the lens of people from various walks of life. Happy listening! Hello and welcome back to Ed Talk with Anuj. So. What's your story? This one question can be a powerful source of provoking conversation. It can disarm people. It can unlock a door into the past and the future. Storytelling is perhaps the world's oldest performing art form and the most primitive mode of communication. Every epic, every holy text is but a collection of stories. Stories since the beginning of time have ranged from fantasy to history, from love to despair, from human suffering to the power of a dream. Every tale, every anecdote, every chronicle, every archive is but a story that has helped move civilization forward through time. We are all made of stories. And stories have the power to change the world. Some of us recognize this power of storytelling and its impact on the intellectual and emotional empowerment of people. The power to bring communities together, often connecting hearts and minds together and sometimes making us feel a little less alone. On this episode of Ed Talk with Anuj, I talk to someone who I count as one of the most important people in my life and someone who has had a huge influence on my thinking and my sensibilities. She is an incredible bundle of energy and a kind soul who harnesses the magic of stories in numerous ways to empower and inspire the world around her. Her work ranges from the iconic Bonvita Quiz Contest to landmark productions like Namesake, Darjeeling Limited, Life of Pi, Lion, Aladdin, White Tiger, The Foundation and many more. Apart from being a mentor at Commune where she is lovingly called Khaleesi, she is an internationally renowned casting director and filmmaker, a member of the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, a patron of the arts, and encompassing all of these, a master storyteller. Presenting the very effervescent Tess Joseph. Welcome to the podcast, Tess. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Anuj. Always a pleasure to be here and to, I mean, generally to have a chat with you. So how is the world of storytelling coming along? What kind of stories are you telling or getting people to say now? I think stories are constantly being created in the world. Um, I, I do think that we are interwoven with, with a million stories at any given point of time. I know when I say storytelling, naturally in my head, commune comes to mind. And I feel like now I'm more a Khaleesi mentor than mm. actually involved in the absolute nitty gritties of, you know, there's a fantastic team. So they're the ones I feel weaving. Mm. And, mm. Uh, you know, I stand back and I look at uh, what I would call the quilt. 
of <laughs> of of what it looks like and i'm constantly listening to uh, storytelling i really find that it's really evolved i love the way mixed media has happened a lot now in storytelling especially if you're like on instagram and on social media you know it's not just one thing you can take a picture and and tell a story you can take music and weave a story and it's beautiful to see that it's uh it's you know it's evolving and and really growing as an art but i do think that thanks to the pandemic most people kind of came of their own in storytelling they may not realize it but between, mm. between their posts and their conversations and we being restricted to our homes and you know spaces where we were alone mm. we were telling stories more and more than ever before i think yeah we keeping each other company and and finding new avenues for ourselves to ex- express and and be an expression be received has this always been a passion for you from a young age have i been making things up in my head since i was <laughs> you and your imaginary friends <laughs> um so i will say that i think storytelling is part and parcel of uh, can i give you a nerdy science fact of course please yeah, always so nerdy yes. science fact is that as babies right the two things that we are hardwired into is language and storytelling hmm. and now it depends on what was surrounding you and i had a brother who is you know this voracious reader a mother who's a, a voracious reader a father who's obsessed with movies and music mm. and i think that because of that storytelling and auditory has been like a way of life since i was very very young so uh, it was also a home where imagining you know imagination was celebrated i don't think it was celebrated as much in school but i was allowed to imagine you know i i know that my you know my brother and i still have our our names from childhood and i call him silly tortoise and he calls me kunku baby and we have a you know an imaginary world even now when we talk about crispy leaves as currency and different and i and i think back and i'm like you know we had very little to kind of demand our attention so you know you went out to the sand pit and you were there for Two hours or three hours, mm, right? Mm. And you were playing in just sand, and in the sand you saw, you know, the possibility of worlds, of castles, of stories, of people, of princes and kings, and you know, of animals and each other. And I think that's why storytelling is like very, very, I think, wrapped and in me. Wow. I see it every day. I used to. I think the one thing I held on to a lot uh, during the pandemic, and also pre that, and even now, is that. when i go for my walk in the morning uh, or when i go to work out i try to I, i kind of always see something new and i've walked these roads and seen these trees and lanes and people and cats and dogs for mm. a decade of my life but i always discover something new wow beautiful but these are of course streets of bombay and you've been here for for quite some time but you grew up in calcutta Yes. And walking and playing around the streets of Calcutta and how was it like um it's a very intensely proud diverse and a culturally rich city how was it growing up there in between all of these stories I feel I was very lucky to grow up in Calcutta and um, I am Malayali genetically mm. Mm. but my soul I keep saying is Bengali I think some people take that as I'm disregarding the Malayali side of me and that is absolutely not it. I think the celebration of one culture doesn't mean that you are disregarding the other. It's just that like in like when you're in love there are varying degrees to each person and <laughs> each thing yeah. and we should te- you know look at our cultural heritage the same way. 
you know, that we are in love with multiple cultures and they're alive in us, just that the percentages of them keep moving, perhaps. Yep. And that's what yep. keeps us balanced. But growing up in Calcutta meant, uh, you know, A, I grew up in a home where uh, there were three languages, mm. uh, which is wonderful, I think, when you're young. Of course, we were encouraged to speak in English. Like mm. uh, all uh, self-respecting families in the 80s, you wanted your children to speak good English by the time they grew up. Um, and in the process, I think our parents all spoke very good English. And, uh, you know, there was Hindi, there was Bengali, there was Malayalam. And there were all these languages. Secondly, I lived in a really, really old house. I lived in, you know, um, a century old building where, you know, beams of uh, iron had things like Lancashire steel and things like that, you know. And uh, I think when you live in a very old building, it is like the melting pot for storytelling. Because you see things um, which you think you've only seen in like, you know, movies and read in books. And I also feel like when we grew up in the 80s, like I said, I just think attention was so not divided as much as it is right now. Yeah. And um, I'm very thankful that I grew up in, in a culture and that is the culture of Calcutta. I, I will say the culture of Bengal and Calcutta where art, theater, music, all the fine arts are celebrated. Mm. You know, so it is never looked down upon as if you're studying music or you've decided to dance or any of those things, you weren't taking like a hobby. You were possibly taking something that you would do your master's in. So there was a celebration of the extracurricular, which I am always thankful for. And that art was, you know, it was considered something that was a value to your time. If you did painting class, it was a good you know, mm, it was never mm, looked on mm. as "acha ye hobby hai, usko karne do Sunday ko." You know that wow. that never happened. No, it's there's there's a beautiful uh, phrase that you said, celebrating the extracurricular. And in this time of divided attention, uh, where there is so much out of syllabus content that is coming in, <laughs> <laughs> life on me is out of syllabus right now. Correct, correct. My God. How was, tell me more about celebrating extracurricular because schooling also, you went to an iconic institution, a legendary place, uh, Loreto. And then after that, uh, you went to Xavier's, two, two very respected and renowned institutions. But what was schooling like for you? How did it, what influences in school shaped your sensibilities to what they are today? How did they empower your imagination and storytelling? So I would say that uh, I was in Loreto House. I'm very, very proud of my school. I was there for mm. 14 years and mm. I'm uh, um, extremely proud when I go to any other country. It happens to be a school which is there all over the world. Right. I actually go to visit different Loretos because um, uh, I think it's very important, uh, not just here, but around the world that you feel a connect. And I think that that's one of the things that school does in the best way. Many times school is your first sense of, uh, you know, um, your community, right? Outside your family. Mm. So your first sense of community is school. My school, uh, in the sense of extracurricular, and when I say celebrated, I think it has something to, again, do with Bengal. Of course, like any child growing up, your parents will try to, you know, involve you in every possible hobby because, yeah. you know, successful in yeah. life. So whether it was, you know, playing tennis or swimming in the morning or then going for art class, etc. But what I loved about school was like, you know, I loved things and I wonder if they're still there nowadays. Like, you know, when you had a zero period at school, which mm. was kind of dedicated to extracurricular, I loved that every week. Uh, I, I sit and I was sitting, sitting and thinking about it because we were going to chat. And I said, you know, we had about four hours uh, a week towards uh, 
extracurricular, you know, PE and zero period where you did all kinds of fun things. So even from the time you were young, whether it was craft and art or, you know, you were putting together a little play or you were putting together. Plus, schools like Reto have this tradition of, you know, the the annual play or the annual musical or, mm, you know, mm. uh, prepping for a wonderful, which used to be there always, you know, the, the gym display or the PE display, etc. Right. So you also learned to create together. And I think that's very, very important mm. Uh, mm. in terms of even when we had essays, etc. A lot of the times we did have reading up, you know, like if you want the best one or two essays would be read in class and things like that. So I right. feel that when you offer different ways to express yourself that is really the celebration of extracurricular when we begin in school if the only mode of expression is studies and academics and that becomes the end all be all it's tough especially in today's world where i think everything uh is 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 really the way Um, it seems that academics, you know, is just one of the many lanes on this, uh, you know, this multiple lane highway that we're running. Mm-hmm. Were you also good at um, uh, academics apart from, of course, I know that you excelled in in all kinds of extracurricular activities. I mean, by that I mean debating, elocutions, theatre, performing arts. Were you also good at academics? I think I came into my own in class five. Okay. Before that. I was a borderline student. My parents would be delighted if I passed all my exams. Mm. My brother was brilliant. Huh? He was the privilege. And the, we were the, like the bipolar, uh, I would say, parent-teacher <laughs> meeting. <laughs> One where my parents would be so happy to go because my brother was like Makhan Malai. Every teacher loved him. And then my meeting where the, where the black stars across my name, which was for talking in class primarily, was outside the chart paper. <laughs> and then they had these funny rules now like one uh, red star meant uh, you it cancelled three back black stars oh damn. and right. i think in that little game i understood one thing mm. if i was good at academic i could get away with anything mm. so yeah have i been a troublemaker mischief maker when i was uh, through my primary years yes uh, and did i continue to do that all the way till I left school. Yes. <laughs> but the moment your academics are good, and that's what I learned when I moved from junior school to middle school. In class mm. six, everything just like realigned and rewired in my brain. Mm. And I mm. realized that if I could be good at studies, I could get away with anything. And I could do anything. Because wow. you could barter the idea that, all right, can I go and do this, but as long as my grades don't fall. Right, right. No, I, I, I relate to that. Yeah. 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 So I think like, you know, you, you, there is a point at which you realize everybody learns how to make the system work for you if you want to make the system work for you. And it doesn't mean manipulating the system. Hmm. It means figuring out how to make the system work for you. Noticing loopholes and using them to your benefit. I'm surprised you didn't become a lawyer. But I wanted to though. I even gave oh. the law exam for Bangalore uh, for yeah, you know, law school in NLS. I think the reason I didn't want to become a lawyer is because of Bollywood portrayals of what uh, you know courtrooms oh. look like. <laughs> 
but but then okay so where did where did filmmaking where did casting direction come in because at that time the word wasn't even a i mean it wasn't even a an option as a career no not then. at all not at all i think no. i'm trying to remember the timeline of uh, when did uh, when did cable tv like boom for us i can't remember i know it's post the gulf war is when uh, cable huh. tv really found its the way mid 90s really 90s. yeah 95 and, 96 uh, the game show boom was early 2000 Mm. and that's when i was finishing college mm. so and that was xavier's that was xavier's and xavier's was my stopgap solution because i wanted to be a doctor even now if you meet any wait of my wait wait what what yeah, yeah, what we just a... finished the lawyer discussion no i mean i think all of them have doctor na somewhere was, the was there a pilot also somewhere no, was no. there a scientist <laughs> no, no, <laughs> astronaut no, zero zero interest but i will say you ask a te- if you talk to any of my teachers even today hmm when i they all asked me and you didn't become a doctor because <laughs> i was obsessed that you know everybody knows about aids so hiv made it to the front cover of time magazine i'm not sure when but somewhere in the 90s and uh, just around that time there was another disease that was making it to the newspapers and all of it it was something called ebola which was you know the mm. disease that was that would eat yourself you know mm. kind of like eat your own you know your organs and kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. i would imagine like in a horror movie make you mush <laughs> but yeah. and then there was this very interesting you know uh this newly kind of talked about condition hiv and aids the condition mm. is aids of course but the, uh, mm. the you know the disease is hiv and there were fantastic films made at that time so when you think yeah. of um you know philadelphia philadelphia and, yeah. yeah and there was another one which uh, had adrian quinn in it which was again a brilliant story but I remember in my home one of the lovely things I don't know if again it's still there nowadays is that my parents every week there was a magazine wala who would bring magazine for 3 days to read so usually like friday is when the two three magazines would come home and part of mm. that was always nat you know nat geo was there and time mm. magazine and we had to be super careful because you couldn't get dirty fingers on it yeah, etc etc yeah. etc and they would yeah. be returned on monday morning and i remember that cover and i was obsessed i think i have read everything there is to do with hiv and i have secretly prayed in my heart please don't find a cure because i will be the one who finds the cure oh dear so, <laughs> so yes i gave my medical i i gave uh, and i i think you know these are the bubbles one lives in and i realized that maybe my brain was still telling stories to me and my imagination uh, mm. rather than really understanding the reality of what it is to to try try for medical and get you know get in through GEE and things like that so i gave my medical exam i gave GEE obviously but i gave very specific institutes because i was like no i want to do afmc because i'd love to be you know a doctor in the mm. army uh, i mm. gave aims i gave uh, st john's medical bangalore i gave very 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 specific institutes which is the stupidest thing to do if you truly want to do medicine <laughs> you don't like decide ki ha ye acha hai i will go here you know and wow. um, xavier's was my stop gap i gave an entrance exam there and i was uh, you know one of the very early batches of mascom and xavier's where we were doing graduation in mascom hmm. and for me it was just like i'm going to do this uh, it gives me enough time so i can study for my je again and i think one month into mascom I realized this was everything that I loved. It was taking all the things I loved doing, every hobby of mine, mm. and uh, 
I could use it. And there were careers and suddenly television was like a realistic thing to be part of. It didn't, didn't seem clear or make sense at that point of time as to what you would do. Right. But uh, it, it was a possibility that I could have fun doing what I love doing and, and do that for the rest of my life. I think that, that, that took MassCom and my, my mother especially pushing me saying that go give this exam and see if you get in. It was 15 to a batch. It was the most expensive course at Xavier. Can I tell you at how much per month? Yes, please. 1,000 rupees. Such luxury. <laughs> Did you have to work three jobs to pay that off? <laughs> I think whatever work I got <laughs> was like extra money. <laughs> Also, that time, listen, you did, yeah, 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 you did, you did job and you got 3,000 rupees and you felt like you were the most amazing person on the planet. So, so okay. So, so, so Xavier's, MassCom, and then uh, was, was the Bonvita quiz contest immediately after? Yeah. So, I hadn't, I just finished giving my finals uh, and I hadn't even gotten my results yet. And there were two people that I applied to, uh, mm. which is Siddharth Basu for Kaun Banega Karorpati. Mm-hmm. And Derek O'Brien for Bonvita Quiz Contest. And I was really tempted to move bag and baggage to Delhi, <laughs> join Siddharth <laughs> Basu's team. I think uh. there was a little bit of senti and nostalgia about uh, A, being home, B, uh, the Bonvita Quiz Contest was a show I grew up with. You know, like I was like, mm. oh my God, mm. I get to be part of this quiz. And, yeah. and um, I'd seen Derek when I was younger. I mean, I, I, you know, I knew him from Calcutta. He's always been his whole family. I mean, uh, Neil O'Brien, sir, was instrumental when it comes to education and quizzing. And then if you were part of the clubbing circuit, you know, you've seen these gentlemen conduct quizzes. And quizzing in Calcutta, again, is a very uh, lifeblood thing. You know, mm. so quizzing is a, is, is a matter of, an, you know, if you went for a play or you went for a quiz, there were equally great things to watch in terms of drama. Right. Right. And I love that when you watch live quizzes and there's full-on <laughs> drama happening. The you know, tension, like, the entire... Yeah, yeah. screaming and like, no, that's not correct. You know, if you look carefully. <laughs> it's, it's very English pubs also, no? That's what happens out there it in, in Britain. Hmm. And that, I think that, uh, you know, I love that we still had uh, the the backdraft of the colonialism somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> except it's the it's the Bangali Babus yeah. right now screaming at each other. Yeah. But it was great, you know, to be part of uh, yeah, you know, that culture in a sense. Mm. And uh, one thing I also mentioned, where I really wanted to mention, was that how much the church played in my extracurricular. Mm. So because a Loreto House, of course, it's a convent school. Yeah. You know, when it came to music, I started playing music in church. I played yeah. for Sunday mass. Hmm. Um, my discovering of, I think, the performer in me was um, was a Christmas play. Hmm. You know, so hmm. it's funny that you don't have to look at it as uh, religious on any level, but you you look at it as anywhere you can discover your voice. You know, anywhere right. you can discover the things that you really enjoy doing. Hmm. And I hmm. I like that about at least growing up in Calcutta. Also, that religion was very what um, was very for everybody. Hmm. You know, like I, uh, because we had a church with our school, I remember all the students, you know, before the exam, everyone would go through the church to, to school because right. it was like, okay, I will just pray for one second. God, please let me pass my exam. And then, you know, <laughs> and then go through and it had nothing to do with religion. Yeah, um, yeah. It had everything to do with faith and the idea of something greater than us. I will say that right. is very common. And it's a humbling the, moment. Yeah, but it's a beautiful be, yeah. moment of how 
you know, we're very secular in, in general as a space. And I think that's also about the, you know, growing up in a state at that time, which was commune. Yeah. You know, and yeah. where uh, there was a celebration of all faith and actually not a celebration of any, which was great. <laughs> so now with all of this uh, extracurricular that you were exposed to, do you think that 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 goes a long way in, like you said, you know, finding your voice, finding your space, rather than putting pressure on a child that, no, you have to become a singer or you have to pursue a particular hobby. Sometimes children just drop things after a year or two and they pick up something else and it's okay to restart. It's okay to experiment and explore. Oh, completely. Please know that there's no one path in life. Hmm. Uh, and I think there are two kinds of people. Hmm. Those who change paths and those who like to juggle. Right. And both are okay. Both are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They're, it's not that they're okay. They're, they're amazing. You know, and I am a juggler. I like the hmm. idea of doing different things and kind of dividing time to them. It's a certain kind of person who likes that. And there are those who pivot and pivot so brilliantly, you hmm. know, and hmm. do not think that there is only one path for you. And when you're that young, definitely not. I think what you should do is, um, if I had to tell everybody, is notice what you love doing. Notice where you are happy. Notice the things like, you know, are you happy when you're with a group of people and, you know, you are managing them and figuring out every single thing? You know, when we had our uh, head girls and, and captains and stuff like that, like is leadership natural to you? But start like being aware of all the things that make you kind of feel good or feel happy about yourself. I'm somebody who I think uh, what I found, which is brilliant when I was in school, was School is a place where peer pressure and feeling alone are very, very real feelings. Yeah. Right? But I found me in school. I was the kid who had no friends. Uh, I think till, not that I had no friends. Every best friend I had left town after one year. <laughs> so, you know, you, I learned the transience of friendship. I feel very, you're very young. Um, mm. You know, especially class two, three, four, which is a strange time because that's when you kind of get your, you know, your, yeah, your yeah, posse yeah, yeah. of friends and. Yeah. everything etc and I've never been in a peer group and then after that of course I found my gang you know uh, the girl gang that you kind of grow up with and you stay in touch with 20 years later also but nobody kind of forced themselves on each other so mm. you know if uh, of course in my gang someone I remember picking up a cigarette to smoke the first time when we were like 16 17 I just wasn't interested in it and mm. I don't ever remember anyone saying at least try corona ek bar Nothing mm. like that. I have no memory of peer pressure in that sense. And I look at my group of friends and I'm very thankful to my friends in my school is that we didn't want to be replicas of each other. Right. We wanted to just be ourselves. You know, the boyish, the tomboyish one, the sporty one, the this, that. But it was fun to be each person different rather than, you know, which tends to be there a lot, I feel, in storytelling on media right now is that the the it seems to be that if you mimic or if you become a particular type that you will fit in just yeah. become the you type whatever you are you know and that's i think that for me was very grounding in school um in a big way and uh, definitely that that will help you discover more parts and also knowing that when you're young there is listen there is no love loss in change in supposed failing mm. and in causing trouble. Mm. 
Mm. Okay, these three things. Like I think in school, because when you do something wrong, it's associated with punishment, right? You do badly, yep. there's yep. punishment. You get low grade, punishment. You broke a rule, punishment. That's got to change somewhere. That so conditioning that, has to change. Yeah, yeah. that's the yeah. one thing I feel like in school we really need to kind of like just I don't know how it is, but like just like just re- that motor has to be changed. Yeah, like to fail at something yeah. is in fact a perspective that you are good at something else. Yeah. Or if you put in a little work, maybe you could do better here. But but it's not it's not uh, wrong. It's not um, you know. It's uh, not a bad l- thing. It's not yeah, a bad yeah. thing. Exactly. And I think that that conditioning of oh my god, I wanted to do medicine. I want to do medicine. Oh shit, now I'm doing. Like I said, every teacher in my school, medicine, 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 and I pivoted and I'm doing. nothing to i mean if i'm lucky i'll do a medical show if right. i'm lucky or like a right. doctor who wants to like kill people all the time or something like <laughs> which 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 brings me to my next question that all of this that we've discussed all these observations and imaginations and experiments and being exposed to various activities and academics and figuring out how to beat the system if you know to to get past certain things that you wanted to do all the sensibilities that you developed how do they tie into the work that you do now with the filmmaking the casting the storytelling how do all of these sensibilities tie into your career now okay so when i think back and i'm again going to connect it to my past and even yeah. now when if you ask the people around me or even if i sit and think about myself is that i relate and remember cinema occasions things book stories i will constantly tell you how i'm in love and raving about the characters and their performances right so that is mm. my thing i don't maybe remember uh, yeah it's, it, the the space when it happened but i will remember that guy and that girl or you know i remember people i love watching people i love observing uh, what i call the simplest thing and mm. i feel that I got to do that as my pursuit in life, right? Which is bring that one living, breathing, you know, aspect of all cinema, the actors to life. Right. And um, I, I think you know, as a, if you want to do this, if you want to be in any career, you have to consume it in ways that you can't imagine. You've got to like. In my case, I would say I love actors. I consume. consume them i i'm obsessed about watching observing seeing the simplest things kind of come alive you know i love seeing that love has 20 shades anger has 20 shades different things to that you're almost like you are a um um this you know this alchemist of like a psychologist and a and a creative person at the same time mm-hmm. and it's that beauty of being able to stand back and say this is what kind of is my fuel uh, of joy Right. And the other things because again I think that there are very very strong assumptions of what are good careers and bad careers when you're in school. Right. right? I yes. grew up at a time where media and 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 you know television and filmmaking were hobby. Hmm. You know it wasn't uh, still in Bengal celebrated of course you know etc but it wasn't the it wasn't the successful career and definitely not for a woman. Yeah. I mean my I began at a time where I was probably the only woman on set in some cases. and uh, i'm so glad that that has shifted and those things will evolve with you just like for that classroom of you know which was maybe and if we take history 
only white kids and then the first african american child entering and that classroom has right. evolved to what it is today the right. evolution of boys and girls being separate and coeducation was not even considered mm. to where we are today where everyone can sit together and learn right mm. girls not going to school to where they are so if you feel like you are the odd one or if you feel awkward these are these are okay you know and i think that that sense of self if you can start building a sense of self in every child and i feel like school and college for me was essential in that uh, mm. and growing up where i did in calcutta is that sense of self that sense of you uh, being strong is what helps you actually change path try careers and discover what truly brings you joy so amidst all of the moving parts of the big industry that you are a part of does the sense of self help help to keep you grounded when you are telling those stories every single day um, meeting with people from all walks of life all kinds of aspirations and people looking up to you because or looking at you saying give me a shot or hey you are the platform through which i can attain stardom oh, yeah. so many things so many variables. i mean also if you work in anything collaborative i work in a hmm. collaborative job Correct. which cannot work if we are not equal right? right and my pursuit in life will always be new talent and new things and new stories right. and new right. you know so i ha- you have to be open i have to hmm. come into the room knowing that you are going to elevate me Mm, pursuit mm, has mm. to be the other person and i think as casting directors that is one thing you've got to like if you ever anybody on this you know listening wants to be a casting director it's all about them it's not about you it's not about you and that's so beautifully said and so true for so many professions i mean the moment you make it about the other person or the recipient of your values your skill your talent you automatically become a better person that way the moment you make it about yourself then you're not evolving yeah like there are i i love it when an actor comes in and does something completely different like they just mm. do it a way that you never saw and i will never mm. touch that and i'll say like let's just leave it at that i don't even want to expose you to my idea of what could have been this scene because you just came alive in a way where we are all dumbstruck and mm. if i'm not open and i'm not listening and i'm not curious you won't be curious you know mm-hmm. and i that's the one thing about being an actor it takes courage from both sides i think a lot of times courage is not celebrated in small things we think True. bravery awards is the person who saved someone's life you know from drowning or from a burning yeah, building yeah. etc but yeah. emotional courage is one of the most bravest things in the world and we all exercise it in our work every day in my work it's every actor who comes into the room to show me emotional courage to be that to just be raw and be able to show me love which maybe you have no idea about or sadness or grief or hurt or or even just you know to show me what it is to be brave every single day what up i mean i'm humbled by it every single day that i get to see this beautiful emotional courage what a wow i'm 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 just yeah there's just so much going on in my mind around this phrase emotional courage beautiful but this brings me to another thought is you know a few years ago um when tiktok was a couple of years ago when it was at its peak the democratization of content that happened right it 
takes a lot of courage to come in front of a camera and do your thing. And while people were dissing creators or dancers, singers from all over, I loved the fact that people were able to express so much. I loved it. Let's I go. loved it that suddenly you didn't need to be a certain level of a person to just say what you wanted to say. That's emotional courage. That's ve- that's emotional courage and that is a sense of equity and equality. That yes. is freedom of art, if you ask me. You yes. know, that's when we're talking about equity. I think the people dissing and I wasn't into TikTok as in I wasn't on the platform, but I consumed mm. it on other platforms. And right. I have yeah. been blown away each and every time. by Absolutely. Also by just little things, discipline. You know, like I would sit there and say to find interesting things. You're sitting in a village somewhere, right? Yeah. You, uh, one of my favorite ones was this uh, family in China and they were like farmers and they would dance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. oh my God, they were just the one happiest of, things that I would watch. Every I mean, one of my favorite parts of uh, con- content that I used to consume was these workers from or, or you know the rural parts of india and they they may be in front of the their hut or their little shack and they are dancing and they're singing or even um, women who are in the villages of let's say rajasthan or haryana or you know other places and while they are doing their chulha or you know carrying water on their heads they've got a mobile phone and they're lip syncing to not just hindi songs english songs absolutely Absolutely. I and love I love that courage yeah. to even just record and put it out. Also, what, what it means to be te- truly democratic. Yeah. Because I think that even in social media, and this is my sense, because all these things have kind of, they are all under the gamut of social media, is that social media is very biased. Mm. I mean, if you're an Instagram, you know, person, then you yeah. know the kind of content you are consuming. You know yeah. your primary language is English. You know many, many little things that you are unconsciously dividing yourself and saying, I belong here and mm. you don't quite belong with me. TikTok yeah. came and changed that around. Absolutely. I think TikTok showed us that A and also I was, it was like when India's Got Talent first came out. It huh. was India's Got Talent on speed. Correct. <laughs> it was India's Got Talent on adrenaline. <laughs> Doesn't sound now. <laughs> on steroids. <laughs> that sounds worse. That. Listen, I think that's worse. Huh? Don't say okay. steroids. <laughs> it's all right. This is very democratic platform, a but podcast, so it, we can say it. It really was. And I felt mm. that that's what it did. It it just, it showed me anyone can. And that's what, if I had to tell schools to be like one kind of social media, I would tell schools be like TikTok. Mm. Wow. And then, of course, TikTok went away for whatever reasons. Reels has come in. And there are more and more people who are expressing every day. There are more and more people who want to be in front of the big camera. Now. Mm-hmm. They want to be in front of the the movie camera or the web series camera, mm-hmm. you know, and and be screen be seen on a large screen. And you deal with tens of thousands of people month after month, an entire range of capabilities and talent and craft, and everyone wants a shot at the spotlight for all kinds of reasons. What do you look for? when you are calling in people for auditions and hundreds of thousands of entries come in, then there are, I've worked with you. So there is a whole process of shortlisting and then again, shortlisting, then finally going down to saying, hey, why don't you come over to the office, to the studio and let's see you on camera. What do you look for apart from just the craft? So I think when it comes to at least actors and there are two parts to it, and I think one of the parts kind of 
is something that everyone can use. But I do think this line of the metrics work hmm. is very, very important to everyone. So you have to make the metrics work. And when I say you have to make the metrics work, whether it is discipline, you know, hard work, working on your craft, just keeping you yourself as a well-oiled engine, right? So that means mm. even mental health, making sure you're fed well, taking mm. care of your body, your voice, you know, every single thing. Those metrics go for everything in life. Actor, non-actor, whatever you do, when you are, the metrics work because the metrics show. Mm. They always show. They're the first thing that kind of like pops their head out and says, hi, see, I've mm. been working, you know. Like mm, you can mm. see, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a well-oiled machine on one level and right. I'm in a good place in my head and I'm here and I'm present. But beyond that, I think the few things that just blow me away when, when new talent comes in, and we just talked about it, but I do think the emotional courage, mm. right, to be there, to be present, to listen, to be curious, to know that you're a person who's a keen observer of life uh, and see you have fun that I truly see you enjoy what you do is always a little. I think to every yeah. actor, it is those brilliant bits, the imperfect and the perfect, your personality that kind of meshes in with the character to bring this unique version of you while we mm. watch you is mm. what kind of shines for me. We are watching a hundred tapes of everyone doing the same thing. Trust me, when someone yeah. stands out, they stand out because they just do. Right. You know, I could like I say this. I could play this as a picking game for anyone. I will line up a hundred auditions, one after the other, on an edit line, and I will know exactly who you will pick. And so much of it of of your process is to constantly keep reading between the lines. Yeah, and I actually think the actor who is invisible is the most visible. Right. Well, because it is more about the recipient or the audience than about you. In that moment, I should forget, oh, this is Adarsh, or this is, you know, Priyanshu Penuli or Adarsh Gaurav. Who yeah, yeah. Me. I have to forget who you are and just see the character, right? And just have a hmm. moment of then, ha, Adarsh, do it again, or whatever it is, etc. But the beauty of an actor is being invisible. Where you dissolve the self and bring no. the character out. No, I actually think you never dissolve the self. I think this is one, uh, you know, this is my uh, fight. Yeah, I just go Osho on, 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 on you. Oh, right dissolve now. the self and all. Dissolve Please don't the be. Self. So, like, my for God. example, if you're going to dissolve the self for me as an actor, let me use the analogy very Osho esque of sugar mm. in water. We may not mm. see it, but it is still sweet and very much. Oh, 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 oh. how sweet. <laughs> it can be salt also. I don't mind. Whichever you Right. Right. Jaljeera, but we can see. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so that's the difference. Be like, you know, be like sugar or salt in water. Do not be yeah. like Jaljeera. Do not be like Jaljeera. But <laughs> okay, so one of, now talking about emotional courage, of course, there are young adults and adolescents who you deal with um, in, a, in a larger percentage of people who come in to, or to audition for you. But one of your specialities has also been casting children. And you have, you, I mean, you've carved a lovely niche for yourself with the way you approach it, with the kind of casting you have done. Of course, the Lion is one of the big, uh, you know, examples of, of uh, casting children. And then uh, how, how is that different from the rest of the audition work that you do? Because the stakes of emotional courage 
uh, are very different when children come into the scene. I I love working with children because of a couple of things. Is I have to be brave. <laughs> Number one, it's <laughs> my emotional courage. I feel more than theirs because they mm. are so present. They are so here and now. Kids are not thinking about yesterday, day before, tomorrow. Mm. You know, they're just here right now. So dynamic, so curious, and so interested. And I think all the actors that we've actually picked um, in the role as children are—they're uh, not trying to be a because they read something and then, or we're talking. You know, talk when they can't read, we're talking to them about the scenario and this, that, etc. It's just they are themselves unapologetically. They're absolutely okay to ask any question. They don't see anything they ask as dumb. Hmm. or intrusive or oh my god am i going to piss off the casting director by asking that question nothing none of these niceties have like found their way and hmm. ruined their sense of you know imagination and creativity i i also find that we have to be brave because there is this sometimes this idea of you know when you are an adult and you have a child so you know i'm standing up and the child standing up is lower than me is that i'm talking mm. down to you never talking down get down on your knees and decide yeah. to talk you know yeah. to the child at the same level it just i discover so much more when i'm with children because i just know that the that the truth and honesty of the moment will never be the same with an adult an adult's mind is always thinking ahead you're always thinking about what potentially could have been what can i do in my next take before i've even finished this take children don't children are here and that is mm. one of the greatest gifts as an actor so when you watch children on screen the reason that they pull so much of your energy when you watch them and you pay attention to them is because they're just there they're with you 100% there is so much to learn like you said way from just seeing someone be in the moment and maximize the now and when adults come into the play and i'm talking about from a school perspective from uh, an an adult aspiration perspective we ruin that moment by imposing our layered thoughts about the future or the next take by putting that pressure on children to think about tomorrow as well yeah and i i will say that there are two things to it i do not think that it's a free all end all when we're doing like we eventually have a story to tell right so we have a script and we have a story to tell mm. and it's very important that the child like to be this character in the story and finds mm. it interesting to do for one month or two months mm. of time so mm. i do think even in the case of school one of the things that tends to not happen is collaboration right because when we're doing say a big school play you've assigned x y and z parts you've assigned you do it this way you do it that way you it is a you do it instead of let's talk about how we can do this hmm and those children who don't want to like i keep saying the ones who don't find fun in doing uh, auditions with us or doing scene work with us will naturally just weave themselves out of the process right like they will just like they'll slip out of it they'll be at a lovely place where i know that you don't want to do this right so when wow. i think the difference is that in school collaboration needs to be especially in creative field it's mm. very important let mm. me discover my own voice let me find myself in this you know 
the debater doesn't have to be the loud and proud one. The debater can also be the thinking soft one. Right. You know, you just have to amp right. up their mic a little more. That's it. <laughs> there are these ideas of who are right for certain things. So like when we work with schools, and you know this also because you worked with us, is that we never allow you to send us your actors. I want to yeah. be in a classroom. I want to go crazy. I will come yeah. out stronger and braver having mm. survived <laughs> 20 sections of class five boys. <laughs> but um, I would have discovered someone you as a, in a school system would have never seen. And for mm. me, that was what Sunny is a sparkling example of. His school turning around and saying that we never thought that this boy would ever do something. You know, with, uh, hearing what you're saying, I'm drawing parallels now between a casting director and a teacher identifying potential in a classroom full of varied energies to sift through all of that, you know, hyper energy there in the class and then figure out that, hey, this is the potential that this child has. That's the potential that this child has. And I've got to manage all of these characters together in a script. And then the parents coming at the end of the year and saying, wow, I didn't know that this kid had this potential. So it's a lot like teaching. It's a lot like being a teacher who's in the moment and observing the world around. Them. Yeah, just that, uh, th that, that the exam is much longer in my case because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's a never-ending exam. But I would say the only thing that I would advise and I would ask teachers to do more, and I keep reminding myself is know your biases. I know what know I your biases. yeah, I know what I inherently mm. like, just naturally in a performance. Yeah, and yeah. I have to constantly be aware of yes, yes, I know those are the things you like, but mm. you could add more to that list, right? Yeah, yeah. So I like when I think back in school, I think that's a strange thing. If I you know, like when you solved a maths problem, you knew this was the right answer. You may not have known how, but you knew here this question, the answer is this. And the teacher would ask you, but how? And I may not be able to articulate it because it's little wires in my brain na, that just kind of came together and I knew the answers. Mm. But mm. don't ridicule me for that. And I feel that those are the little things that if I don't fall in line with your bias, doesn't mean I'm not good or doesn't mean that I don't have potential. I have potential. And I feel that's the one little difference because I've been that kid in school and I keep, I think, going back to the kid I was in school. And mm. I just didn't tick the right boxes, I think, through especially like my very early years. I just didn't. I mean, I, I was the want of a better word. I was, I was cast as Judas in every school play from class two all the way to class five in the Easter <laughs> school play because I was the kid who was breaking the rules. And it, oh. whether you like it or not, it can do two things to you. One, it can really mess with your head. B, yeah. you can realize like, okay, I can do anything. I mean, the truth is the whole piece of that story in the Bible doesn't exist if you didn't have Judas, right? So like, let's be, <laughs> yeah. let's be very clear. Salvation. You are the saving, twist. Yeah, it's like saving humanity. All this <laughs> so Let's be, so you, there is potential in every character, in every kid in the classroom. Um, mm. With Before you start deciding to tick off good, bad, naughty, mm. dumb, which is a word mm. which, you know, I remember like, you know, this, you're just stupid. 
you know things like that. yeah 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 labels yeah, essentially the labels that we word, yes. yeah 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 so now with again this is this is a this is a beautiful point that brings into my next question with storytelling and spoken word bringing in heightened awareness and sensitivity uh, amongst generations i mean entire people commune of course has been one of the drivers of this change and apart from the casting and the filmmaking that you do you are a, a storyteller uh, extraordinary you mentor a lot of storytellers how is this affecting uh, positively our upcoming generations what kind of sensitivity is it building the entire world of storytelling now so if there was one if i had to say the one thing that could solve and cure everything in the world that's what mm. i believe is empathy and resonance mm. and there is nothing better in storytelling to be that creator because mm. one of the things that storytelling does is just instantly makes you resonate with another human being you don't know at all because mm. there are many universal things that we all end up talking about like i say this to young storytellers all the time in your and it's a beautiful line which i am uh, which i'm borrowing and i'm going to use from miranda harcourt who's a fantastic acting coach mm. uh, in your specificity is the universal oh in your specificity is the universal oh so everybody knows what what it's like to be in love right everybody knows what it's like to lose someone especially over the last day but your loss is your loss and your story is your story just say it as you and i think mm. one thing that storytelling celebrated from day one was that just be you and the mm. threads of what connect us and the threads of what it feels like that when you said your story it's like putting your hand forward and whatever it is in today's world and we are highly connected we're almost like hyper connected now someone will hold your hand mm. and i think that's what storytelling does so i really believe that if there were two things two human conditions which could cure everything in this world it would be empathy and resonance that's it and storytelling celebrates that every single time and that's why it has really come of its own and it's allowed everyone to feel valid we live in a world which is constantly seeking validity i think that social media just heightened that feeling and made it visible we were yeah. already in a space where feeling valid was just relevant valid valid relevant you know it 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 was there it was bubbling under the surface they commodified yeah yeah but the brilliance of it all is that you could tell your story right and you could be you're always more than the likes and you're way more likes than whatever you see on social media i think with your story yeah if you just measured the 7 10 people around you who heard it and told you oh my god thank you so much for sharing that i think one comment on your story is worth 100000 likes Yeah. You yeah. know so I would like I would say that I just I I think that that's what what it did it just allowed us to say listen to me listen to me do you am I someone you'd like to listen to and my listen to my story yeah. that's what it did you know and we we suddenly could we could hear stories from all around the world it's made being 
vulnerable a whole lot normal than it used to be because we've always cast in specific roles you know you are a boy you are a man you are a girl you are a woman this is how you should be this is how you need to and then suddenly storytelling stories came along and we heard or watched each other's stories and said hey i can be vulnerable too and that's that's okay that's it also made i think one beautiful thing of you don't have to always speak with your voice you can you can tell your story in multiple ways like i love now that we have normalized on some level the fact that i'm okay to say certain things in person and i'm okay to maybe communicate certain things to you written out um mm. my favorite example of that is in ted lasso if anyone mm. follows ted lasso then you know when sharon the um sharon right uh, the 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 therapist leaves she says i'm yep, not good yep. at goodbyes but i've written everything in the letter and there's this lovely little face off and then you know she's like i have written everything just read the letter and then when you read the letter you see ted lasso like weeping yeah but it's okay to also know that your you communicate not with your voice you communicate through your work you communicate through dance you communicate through whatever when you are vulnerable and you are coming from a space of truth it resonates so for mm. all the storytellers we see you know who we know are playing it up like they're playing up you know playing to the gantry or whatever it is yeah. you don't connect you might get 100 likes or 100000 likes but you will not get 14 comments about how deeply this resonated and i usually look at it and i'm like when someone writes a really heartfelt comment about what that piece did for them instead of just likes and hearts and this and that etc you are worth gold in that comment mm. and your story really is important and you realize how important you know it hearing you say this it takes me back to school where i think the teachers who had the most influence on me were the ones who allowed themselves to be vulnerable with the class and not just make a distance of bias and prejudice or be you know stuck to just the subject it was the teachers who really opened up their lives to us and were with us emotionally and that took a lot of emotional courage as well to be vulnerable in front of the children and uh, i think one such teacher of course in my first episode irinda ma'am you know her so yeah yeah i think that takes me back there it's totally okay to say i don't know i wish teachers would say that more i say it a lot sometimes we'll have like a scene and we're doing it for the first time and the actor will ask me some like intensely important but you know tremendous depth question and i'll be like you know what i don't know but we'll figure it out together and how lovely would it be if a teacher said that to you <laughs> you know how lovely would it be if you told your class that we can figure this out together yeah even if we have to take one academic year to do so but the end of it all we would have figured it out together what it is to be in class 5 or class 6 or class 7 or whichever grade wow oh, thank you oh amazing All right. Finally, <laughs> what's up next? What's what's coming up next uh, with you? What more stories are you telling? Uh, the ones that you are allowed Pretty to mention. The question to answer because I am bound by uh, the thing that I never was, which was loyal. <laughs> what's up next? Um, in the truth of it all, I will say I have no idea. I hmm. know there are you know there are things that I will be doing next year, which are definitely big casting jobs, and you will hear about it as they come along. for those who 
are watching, you know, some of our work that you can see right now, of course, is Kubra and Foundation. You'll be seeing Priyanka Bose in Wheel of Time, uh, which comes mm. out in oh, it comes out in November. Uh, and uh, it's again an amazing fantasy series, and it's so beautiful to see our Indian actors just like carve this beautiful niche for themselves in different places mm. all over the world. There's some tremendously exciting things, all bound by confidentiality agreement. Yeah, I cannot speak of them because I will lose my left thumb in the process, <laughs> and I already only have ten fingers, and I'm not willing to give up. Any. Okay. Uh- recommendations books and podcasts uh, that you know people that that you love listening to and that you want to share oh if uh, my god podcasts really simple i would uh, literally i would i would pivot my life and go and work as a producer on this podcast called radio lab at least for a year mm. of my life if they mm. if they ever asked me if they pay wow. for my food and my lodge and whatever little money i needed to just exist i would move to america just to work on radio lab wow because i feel i would have learned so many things that i have no idea about every time i listen to a radio lab episode i am uh one i'm always happier whatever the story <laughs> but b i move yeah. no i moved i feel i feel when i listen to that and i just love when when one thing when sound can do can just make your tummy and your heart and your gut and your mind suddenly like expand or just feel stretched there's nothing like it. Mm. so radio lab tops my list still of one of the nicest podcast one of the most innovative brilliant podcasts ever uh, of recent if you're an actor there's a podcast called the actor's mind run by professors uh, in america and i love it because they're talking about psychology and acting side by side and they're they're looking at you know quantitative theories about is there even like a certain kind of person who makes a better actor and they talk about each and everything they've interviewed some supremely interesting people um christian linklater for example who passed away earlier this year who is in many senses the best person when it comes to what it is to find your voice and free your natural voice there mm. is nobody who has written a better book and 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 the most insightful person on what it is about this little portion of you that we're using the most in this interview which is our throat and our lungs and our breathing and christine yeah. linklater is on that smartless is a fantastic <laughs> interview podcast uh, okay. which uh, involves three people who know each other very well bringing a extremely interesting people into the room who they know nothing about and then mm. discovering that person through stories which are very personal there are two others which i'm going to say which are very random they're really small podcasts mm. tiny like 5 5 mm. minutes mm. one is the slow down and it's one poem a day and it's hosted by the most amazing uh, set of people they just present one poem a day which is read out and there's a little story before the poem each episode is maybe i listen to it first thing in the morning so i don't have i have no idea what kind of poem i might listen to because it might be the most saddest poem on the planet or so mm. uh, <laughs> you know it could be disturbing it could be anything but i love that i start my day with the slow down and it really it, its title kind of set what most days should start with which is if you start calm yeah just slow down yeah um yeah. and then on on the second line and i almost going to put them side by side one is a podcast which is over now it's called kind world again started with 5 to 10 minute stories about just mm. random people and kindness 
told in um, uh, between phone calls and connective narrative which i just think is great the yeah. other one is called 10 things that scare me ah yes you know which i right. i i i love the idea of understanding what is it that we all fear and then realizing that wow most of us kind of fear the same stuff most of us are worried about the people we love being left behind most of us are worried mm. about just ensuring that everyone is okay you know that we didn't fail someone that we did good empathy and resonance like you said yeah i hope so yeah yeah lovely i'll link these in the show notes but this was lovely thank you thank you so much thank you for for just being you you know and adding all of the joy in the world with your stories with with all the energy that you bring with your positivity thank you i've known you for some time and i think i've i've been a better person because of it so thank you test joseph and more power to you more energy to you more stories to you and we look forward to what's coming up ahead thank you this was a, a delightful way to spend the morning thank you for listening to ed talk with anuj i hope you enjoyed it new episodes drop every friday so don't forget to subscribe and follow ed talk with anuj on social media to stay updated i'll see you next week